You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. David Shapiro is the Deputy Chairman of Sassarin Securities, sometimes in Johannesburg, sometimes in Melrose Arch, but at the moment <laughs> in Manhattan. I don't know what to say, but uh, happy holidays. How was Yom Kippur for you? Well, the older you get, the easier it is to fast. So, um, no, it was okay. You do these things and... Uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, fe- I felt a bit tired last night, but I'm fine. <laughs> and there's a massive. You get uh, to be with family, you know. You get to, the nicest thing about the Jewish holidays here in America is that I get to be with my family here, meet new people. Mm. And there's a massive Jewish community in New York, and it's almost outside of Israel. It's probably the centre of the Jewish community. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it, very. I mean, there's a very, very strong Jewish population. What's very interesting about it is that um, there, there, there are a number of different religions, and I'm not going to go into the whole source of it, okay. whereas in South Africa, most, uh, most of us are Orthodox or we practice Orthodox. We're not necessarily uh, that, you know, as, as uh, observant as, say, Orthodox people would be here. But the biggest movement here is, is what they call conservative, you know, which is uh, middle of the road where they're much more liberal. You know, the, certainly the Orthodox people have got their own ideas about it, but they remain, in a strange way, still very religious in their beliefs. You know, they have women rabbis and people sit together as opposed to normal Orthodoxy, and uh, and uh, uh, but they're still very pro-Israel, very very pro-Israel, and uh, you know, still recognize um, their Judaism and uh, acknowledge it. But they practice a different kind of Jewish religion, but still, uh, uh, you know, still very, very powerful uh, group here. You so were... you get a different things, you know, you know, you get kind of different, uh, diff- difference. And this reform side is also very, you know, very big, the reform. And that's uh, uh, extremely liberal interpretation of the Jewish religion. But, <laughs> but they still go as Jews. So you meet all kinds of people here. Yeah. <laughs> Are you worried about the rise of anti-Semitism in yeah, places yeah. like Germany? For example, yeah. in a small yeah. town called Halle in Germany yesterday, yeah. some chap who was dressed up in fatigues or a military uniform, he live-streamed his mm. shooting at a synagogue and then he went to a kebab shop, which presumably wasn't Jewish, but probably Turkish or something like that, and shot dead the proprietor of that of that place. Yeah. It's quite disturbing, isn't it? I mean, it's only a couple it of deaths, is. and I can say that glibly. It's only a couple of deaths, but it's, no. a, it's a movement. It's there are many, many actions. I think every day uh, actions are anti-Semitic actions are reported, uh, particularly the rise in Europe is quite frightening. Uh, a year ago to the date, uh, there was an attack on a Chabad shul in Pennsylvania. You know, yesterday was, was, uh, was Yom Kippur. It wasn't Yom Kippur last year, but I mean, mm. um, it still was an attack on the highest holiday in, you know, in, in the Jewish calendar. So it's quite significant, and the fact that they do it on that holiday is 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 also uh, relevant. So yeah. it is a rise, and, we, and people, have, you know, uh, in fact, our rabbi, the rabbi yesterday, said, you know, what's different? And this is this is when he was talking uh, during one of his sermons outside the shul, and this is a little shul in the Upper West Side of New York, yeah. which is uh, has a huge Jewish uh, population. You know, that's where. It's, I mean, there are a lot of Jews that live in that area. There was a security guard, mm. and he said, you know, this we've never seen. So you had to go into shul, and they would search, actually, uh, you know, pat you on the – pat your jacket and see if you're carrying any arms and uh, and so on. And that's the difference. That 
you can't every every synagogue has to have a security guard now uh, in a way where there is a congregation and I think even in Johannesburg uh, they're certainly much more aware and very conscious of it so you have organizations that, that, that do protect you over these holidays in fact protect you on most days where um, you know most of the Sabbath and uh, other holidays as well. So, yep, it's it's a serious issue. It really is a serious issue. And I'm not talking about whether uh, particular world leaders, people in authority and people that other people, the masses look up to, are responsible for this, whether it be responsible for anti-Islamic, anti-Jewish, uh, mm. anti-British, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. But I do think that people have a responsibility yeah. in authority to be yeah. conciliatory yeah. rather than put yeah. out this this bombastic rhetoric that they're doing at the moment. And the reason yeah. I say that, well, actually, I'm not going to talk about it because I'll get into trouble. Do you agree yeah. with me? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, sure. You know, world leaders can sway opinion. And uh, it's the way that they act and um, that allows this to happen. So, sure, I, you know, absolutely, I agree with you. Also, I think gun control is extremely important. The fact that you can actually uh, walk into any organized, certainly in America, and buy as many arms as you want, you know, and, and that's seen as a, as a right. I mean, that, that just adds to the problems. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know Europe, you know, I don't know in Europe how they get arms and so on. And I think there's a slight base. I think in, South, in, in America, it's, it's the extreme right. You know, it's white supremacist. Whereas in, in Europe, it probably has a leaning towards, uh, um, you know, I suppose also neo-Nazis and sometimes, um, you know, Islam-based, uh, uh, you know, GR-type-based uh, attacks. So, uh, we don't know. But it's broad. It's broad. And it's, it's frightening, you know, because there are religious pe- people like to it. And I don't mind if they if they show their religion. You know, I'm not I'm not one who's who really con- is concerned whether the Muslims wear headscarves or whether the Jews wear yarmulkes. You know, it doesn't offend me, but it does offend a lot of other people. It certainly does. And what offends me is the Brexit story at the moment. And I'm not talking mm. about Brexit specifically, but I like to listen to these people that say, oh, we've got to get out of the European Union. We've got to get out of the Eurozone no. No. Uh, because of these layers of bureaucracy. And I saw a woman on the BBC this morning saying, we are going to ban people eating on the bus, on the tube and on the train because it promotes obesity. And I sort of sat back and I said, Wait a second. I agree with people not eating on public transport because I don't like to see people chewing and then throwing away their packaging on the floor of the train or something. But if you're telling me that if you ban somebody eating a donut or a hamburger or a packet of crisps or having a coffee on the tube in the morning, if that's going to solve obesity, then you are absolutely ridiculous because they'll go, <laughs> they'll get out of the station and they'll just sit what? there and have some more. I mean, this is Britain, and they, they blame the Eurozone on bureaucracy and stupidity. Uh, it is unbelievable. Britain no. is, I'm sorry, it's the country of my birth, but I tell you, it's a complete mess. <laughs> that's, that's interesting because just, you know, I catch the train now, catch the tube. And I mean, it's always packed, and I, I've never seen anyone eating. I don't think you are allowed to eat on the on the trains, or it certainly, I, I, you know, very, very seldom see anybody uh, eating there. And I think that might be a self-imposed rule that uh, to keep the trains clean and that. But I've never seen. But believe me, there are big people in America, whether they eat on trains or Fat not. Fat people, you, know? you mean? <laughs> they are. They big. 
No, they're big. <laughs> they're, they're they're huge. These basket, you know, the that's why you get these kind of basketball players here. I mean, they are massive people here, and uh, and it looks you get all kinds. But uh, I'm sometimes amazed at the size of the of the, some of the um, some of the Americans here. <laughs> <laughs> You're being kind. You're saying basketball players because they're tall. I'm talking about the obesity in America. Uh, people are obese over there, I, right? Uh, well, you know, you know, when you sit down for a for a helping, you've got to learn how to order sandwiches in in America. Mm. Never ask for a sandwich. You know, you don't. You ask for a half a sandwich. Now, half a sandwich doesn't mean you only get half. It means that the filling is halved. Okay. In other words, yeah. otherwise you get two inches of corned beef on a on a <laughs> rye. You know, you ask for a corned beef on rye. It's like two three inches thick. You know, so you can't. No one can consume it. So you have to ask for half a sandwich, which they cut it to one inch of uh, corned beef, you know. And believe me, there are people that can can finish it. So um, understand. And if you ask, when when you order, a, there's a place around across the road from us called Smith's. And if you order a steak there or something like that and you ask for fries, you know, chips, I mean, you, you can feed the entire African continent with what they bring on. So... <laughs> I, you know, it's a wonder what, how much of this is just waste, and if there's no better way to actually control it or whether people really eat it. But I've, I've never seen, you know, uh, portions like that. So that's that's part of the reason. But but then when you run around Central Park you know, and see how many fit people there are, <laughs> that's the other extreme. But I suppose it's confined to a, a square mile or a couple of square miles. So know? what do you do? Where do you, I mean, for example, you've been out for a couple of meals since you've been there, mm. which has been two weeks now. Mm. What do you, where do you go? What do you eat? You know what, you know what we do? Um, the best thing to do, I'd say, and, and really the healthiest thing to do is we're just above a, a Whole Foods. You know, Whole Foods is a, a couple of meters down the road from us. Yes. And I love to go there and you just buy you buy salads and you buy vegetables and you buy uh, cold meat or fish. Fish, very good. It's expensive, but it turns out to be significantly lower if you cook your own meals and also healthier um, than, you know, than going and sitting down. But you must – you know what – America is uh, people come home late. Uh, there, there are a couple of things that it's everything sorted out, and I've got to tell you these things. So my kids have got a dog. Um, his name's Chicago. They have a daycare for dogs. So you go and you leave your dog <laughs> at daycare. Yes. And they look while he's still a puppy, and they look after him throughout the day. And That's even nice. at night, like last night, we only ended about uh, half past nine, ten. We went to fetch him. There were still a few dogs, you know. They will even keep him overnight. It's spotless. You know, the place is spotless. It doesn't smell of dogs. He loves it, this little Chicago, because he's got lots of friends to run around and play with and sniff. <laughs> and, and, but, but I'm saying that's, you know, that's a kind of organization. Everything is within walking distance. Um, the other thing is that most people work till five or six, whatever it is, you know, six. The hairdressers, the nail places, the shops all remain open till eight, nine, ten at night. Okay. And that, so you don't have to leave work to go and shop. So, you know, you get off the train and you go and do your shopping wherever it is at Fairways or Whole Foods or, or various places and that. So the service industry is around your working day. And everything is designed, you know, you take your shirts down to the dry cleaner, they, they wash and press everything for you or wash and fold, whatever it is. And in most buildings as well, what's interesting in most buildings is they have a party room 
you know, which is a huge room at which uh, you can have parties, so you don't have to have it in your apartment. And um, and that, they'll, they'll have a gym there as well. So everything's designed for this inner city living. Um, and, you know, you know, also what's what's interesting, Lindsay, is, yes, I mean, in our building alone, I don't know, this is 25 stories, so there's, I don't know how many people live here. You never have the electricity going off. You never have water problems. I've never seen a traffic light or robot out of order in this place. I've never seen traffic disruptions. If they are, they quickly sort it out. The cops are there in, in, in no time. So there's an energy here. And, um, you know, and, and, and the reason is what we discussed the other day. Every position in the city, you vote for it. You know, you don't just get appointed. So, yes. so if you want to keep your job, you dare not have anything go wrong with the administration of this place and that. So it's, it's very interesting to observe how a city like New York actually um, you know, operates and the difference between kind of the inefficiencies that we see at home in South Africa versus you know, how people operate here. Before we get to the markets, I need to talk about Donald Trump and because he's a, a native New Yorker. There's a, a very, very tragic case of a 19-year-old boy in the United Kingdom by the name of Harry Dunn. But he's a very keen, was a very keen motorbiker. He's not anymore because he's dead. Uh, a woman called Sakulis, her name was Anne Sakulis, hit the 19-year-old motorcyclist Harry with her Volvo SUV on August the 27th outside a U.S. spy station in Northamptonshire in the United Kingdom after driving on the wrong side of the road for up to 400 yards. Days later, she was spirited away from the U.K. on a state-sponsored private jet from America's Air Force Base in Suffolk, RAF Middledenhall, protected by her husband's diplomatic immunity. And this is what happened after that. Donald Trump says, those are the opposite roads. That can happen. I won't say it ever happened to me, but it did. When you get used to driving on our system and you're all of a sudden on the other system where you're driving, it happens. You have to be careful. And <laughs> this, this woman <laughs> with diplomatic immunity by association because she's married, uh, was driving down the wrong side of the road, presumably having lived in England for quite a long time, killed a 19-year-old boy, and Trump says, well, this happens. This is no, symptomatic. This is ludicrous. I mean, it, it, look, I I, when I say I understand that, because I still can't cross a road here, because I still look the wrong way, you know, and uh, likely to get run over. But why must, you know, that's my fault. I mean, that's that's my fault for not observing it. I can't be... Uh, given immunity just because I, I come from South Africa. But, I mean, to to not to face charges, is, I don't think that's why diplomatic immunity was instituted. I think... Uh, I don't care about the diplomatic really immunity, unfair. David. Mm -hmm. I care about, where, no, the, way about that, the way that Trump has, has treated it and said, you know, these things happen. Especially, yeah. it's a mini, especially if it's a wife of the military. And, I mean, because that's, that's mm. somebody on, on, on a U.S. service in, in the U.K. Yeah. And he should be more so. But that, I think that's what differentiates him from different uh, from other presidents. And that is, there's no empathy. He's just, uh, I don't think he's suited for the job. He's certainly not suited for those situations. You know, I'm saying you get back to the situation here you know, where uh, I keep telling how divided the city, the, the country is. You know, it's split uh, with two extremes. There's nothing in the middle. There's no one who feels indifference. 
And he plays on that, and that's what I, I can't understand. I've always thought that a president would be there to unify the country and also to unify the country in the world, in world opinion, but he's, he's not doing that. He's, he gets great joy, like anybody, like you're doing business, you know, by annoying your, your uh, opponent, almost like, like rugby, like doing the hucker in front of the opposition, you know. Yes. You get their noses, and I think he enjoys that. I think, you know, he enjoys doing that, and I, that's... That's not where the. That's not what a president is. Um, that's not what a president should be. And uh, you don't want to get up the noses of your opposition or of opposing countries. You don't want to. You know. You don't want to destroy them or just. Or uh, all you do is. Uh, uh, you know. I don't think it's his. His duty to destroy your self-image or someone else's. So so he can take an advantage of you. You know, or weaken you. I just, I, I've never thought of a president. You know, when you want to accept a political post, you, like a priest or in religion, you've got to know what what comes with the, you know, with the job. Dow Jones is up uh, currently mm, 230 mm. points to 26,575. Yeah. The S&P is up nearly 1% mm. after a bit of a, a choppy few days. Um, yeah, the mood's pretty good out there on Wall Street. Well, I, 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 it goes up and it goes down. I mean, I don't know what's going to come out of a trade deal. Uh, a lot of it is around. Look, there's also a bit of optimism for, for Brexit as well. I seem to think that there might, something might come out of it. I'm not sure. Gosh, that, I hope so. That's, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that that's a, a market swayer. Uh, it might do okay for some of the UK stocks. But I think the Dow is, a lot of it is, is now around whether Trump can do some kind of deal with China. I'm sure they're going to do something, and I'm sure it was arranged well in advance. It's, uh, um, I, I don't know what form it's going to take. And then we're on for the next part. You know? So for the meantime, the Dow's somewhere in – I'm looking at the S&P at 2950 or just under 2950. Mm. So we're still some so we're still away from the, the high that we reached, I think, at the end of July. But, but Lindsay, it doesn't seem to be a driving force. I'm not, you know, I'm bull. I'm a bull. I'm not a, I'm not a bear by nature. I'm not, hold, I'm not losing my position. But I'm warning my clients and warning, you know, people that, that, that deal with me to say, look, I think we're in for a tough year. I think we're in for a year where we're just going to bumble along. Uh, short of results surprising us on the upside. You know, that I can't read at the moment. For, for uh, you know, from my point of view, it's going to be okay. The numbers will be okay, and best uh, they'll be in line with the guidance. But I think it's going to be a year of just bumbling along. You know, we're going to get a lot more political issues as we go into the election and uh, and so on. So to work out where to put yourself, I think you've got to do a lot. You know, where to place yourself, you've got to do a lot of hard work and do a lot of research and look for those businesses that are almost immune to this kind of noise. Um, I haven't got any great ideas. What I did see yesterday, yes. which surprised me, which absolutely surprised me. You know, I've been walking. I, I, I went into Bloomingdale's uh, department store, and I was looking down on the ground floor, and I looked at. Did uh, you buy anything? You, I can't afford it. You know, it's just I was I was in the LVMH. I was waiting for my wife where the Louis Vuitton store is. You know, because you get stores within stores, and beautiful. I mean, there is magnificent merchandise, the shoes and that, and that's where you see 
That's where the rich people shop. You know, rich tourists, rich Americans, etc. Yeah, but wait and a second, David, because I can remember what, what, last time, I think it was either a year or two years ago, you said to me that you would go to these shops and you could buy uh, Cole Haan shoes and you could buy Hugo oh, Boss yeah. shirts uh, at, at, at a cheaper price oh, than you oh, would yeah. in that's Johannesburg. But now you're saying that, that, it's the other luxury. way around. No, this is luxury. I'm talking luxury. Okay. This is this is luxury. You know, these are the five thousand dollar bags and so on. Oh, okay. But um, I saw LVMH's results, and there was a fear that LVMH Louis Vuitton would be affected by the issues in Hong Kong. Not at all. They came out with incredible results. So there's still elements within this economy which are very very strong. I think luxury remains very strong. It may be because of the inequality of earnings for whatever reason, but you've got to dig out those kind of companies. Coming back to what you said, absolutely right. You know, when clothing here is probably half the price that you can get things in Johannesburg, whether it's cosmetic, anything that's manufactured in, you know, I, if you look at the sales now, so we, we're, we're just at the tail end of the of the summer sales, and also it's Columbus Day on Monday, so they have sales. Yes. And uh, relative to, you know, relative to Joburg, I mean, things are, are dirt cheap here. What is interesting is to see how fashions change and uh, what's, you know, gym, what would you call it, active wear. is still very popular. And now the kids wear, um, you know, if you see brands like Nike and Adidas, um, they have an up-brand uh, sneaker, you know. In other words, that that uh, common people can't buy. You got to you got to have a little <laughs> bit of money. <laughs> you mean and poor people, not common people. Yeah, yeah. So, so Lindsay, you'll find the all these makes, all the shoe makes now, and even very well known brands are coming out with sneakers. You know, sneaker type, company, but they're they're upmarket. They've got designs on and whatever it is, and these go anywhere from five hundred to seven fifty to a thousand dollars. Now, you can work that out in rands. So um, that's become very popular and a big fashion item at the moment. Um, and, you know, uh, low-level footwear <laughs> for high-class people. <laughs> I don't understand how people can spend <laughs> no, three, four thousand on a pair of, on yeah, a pair I, of, a I, pair I, of tackies. I actually, I'm... Yeah, I've got, to, I've got to take my phone around and start uh, capturing all these things because it's uh, all the big names and that. And... Uh, so that's become very – they're brands like YE, All White. I think they're all associated to well-known brands and that that are very, very popular. Golden Goose or Goose, something, I don't know, something with a goose on. But, um, you know, and, and, all, and then you've got these ridiculous sneakers with about, you know, with platforms. They've got about three inches of, 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 uh, of rubber underneath them that the kids wear. I mean, David, uh, let's not talk about fashion anymore because we're going to make fools of ourselves. Uh, David, you're, you're coming back next week. Obviously, yeah. you're going to be very keen to see family and friends mm. and uh, the familiar surroundings of Johannesburg and Merrow's Arch. But are you looking forward to coming back, given what you've just had in the last two weeks? Um, it's always nice to be home. You know, I've got family there. I've got a son and three grandkids. Mm. And uh, I do Australia as well. But I, I, I love traveling because it just opens your eyes, you know, just uh, gives you a different perspective of life. And I, I always come back with the desire to say to, you know, to South Africa, you know, we've got to work harder. <laughs> we've just got to work smarter and harder to clean the country up. Uh, it's a, you know, South Africa is a beautiful country. 
You know, really you've is. been in the Cape, you lived in the Cape, you know what's there. Yes. And we make such a mess of it. <laughs> you know, that's what kills me. And it's not difficult. I'm writing an article, I don't know if I told you, for Julieta. Yes. And I'm just and I'm just recalling for the financial mail. I'm just recalling where I was in nineteen seventy two, where we were. And when I take back my memory to what South Africa was with our gold mines. Seventy two, the gold mines. When I started. They yeah, produced eleven hundred tons, I think, of gold. I think it was in nineteen seventy. Well, the three world, yes. worlds gold, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So when I look at South Africa at that point when I joined, and I'm only using one year and then fast-forwarding to where we are now, and I look at it, we were, not only that, we were leaders in technology. We had a clearing system that was the envy of the world in terms of technology, the JSC. So there were things, and also we were a very appealing destination because of our gold mines and diamond mines. Understand it's 1972, you know, tech was in its infancy. The only computers were mainframe. And then I fast forward to where we are today, and that's that's disturbing, you know, to see how we've given uh, all of that up, and uh, you know the, the the road over those almost fifty years. Mm. So we've got to try. I know you you don't want to impose those kind of values maybe uh, on, on on people today, but you've got to find uh, a path back into the world. Let me ask and you this final question now, David, because mm. we're digressing here, or I'm digressing. Uh, you've got yeah. three. Uh, obviously, you're in the autumn of your life, uh, but you've got yeah. uh, children and grandchildren. If you had to sit down with the family and say, "Okay, you've got three choices here. We are familiar with South Africa, and we've got a base in South Africa. We're familiar with Australia, and we have a yeah. presence in Australia. Mm. Uh, we love New York and uh, well, the United yeah. States, and particularly New York. Um, we've got to decide where we're going to live as a tribe yeah. uh, if, yeah, if, I can, if i can put mm, it that way what mm. of those three geographies would you choose which now it's a that's an interesting situation because probably australia would be the best lifestyle but from a retired point of view so if i had to retire mm. and uh it would be the u.s simply that living in new york opens up so many opportunities for elderly people I can do, I can garden in Central Park. Yes. I can go to ballet lessons. I can go to art lessons. You're so, so you could just say that again? You can go to what? <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, I can go to dancing. I'd love you to know, see you, you in a tutu, but anyway, that's no, just me. No, you don't want to see that. But what I'm trying to say is that they cater for that. And also, it's easy to get around. You know, there's the, the trains, when you get to my age, everything's cheaper, everything's easier. And from that point of view, I think New York is probably the best city yes. to retire in. Yes, you, you might need a little bit of finance, which is a problem. But for children, probably the safest area, the best lifestyle, I think, is Sydney. You know, And, and uh, it would be South Africa, save crime. And I think crime is the one thing that is pushing everybody. Just talking to, you know, even talking to my office today, uh, um, chap who works for me, Craig, said to me, oh, do you, you know what happened to Gail, her husband, they were invaded last night, her husband shot, is fighting for his life. You know, those are the kind of incidences that we have to go through all the time in South Africa. There you are, a lady works for me, invaded home, husband shot, for what? Oh. So I think that's the difference. You know, that's, crime is the one thing that would push us you know, out of there. And, and we've had enough incidences in my family uh, to know about it, you know, from my wife and daughter and even myself. So, 
That's uh, but from a retirement point of view, here you'll never get bored. <laughs> no, you won't. David Shapiro, thank you very much for your time. When are you back over the weekend or what? Yeah, I'll be back in the office on Wednesday. I'll, okay. I'll start my journey Monday morning. <laughs> okay. David Shapiro is the Deputy Chairman of Sassman Securities, sometimes in Johannesburg, sometimes at Merozelt, uh, but at the moment in New York, and he'll be back with us next week. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. Strictlybusinesspodcast.com, made possible by Prudential Investment Managers.